But I want to give you something a little bit from the Word of God tonight before we pray together over in 1 Samuel chapter number 17. If you'd like to uh, stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, I'll read several verses in a very familiar chapter, portion of Scripture. I preached from this Scripture different different message uh, just a few weeks ago. But I'm um, going to go an entirely different direction tonight. We'll look in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse number 17. You're very familiar with the scripture here, the story. And Jesse said unto David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these ten loaves and run to the camp for thy brethren and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousands Look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elhah fighting with the Philistines. David rose up early in the morning and left his sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle for Israel. And the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army, David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren and he talked with them. Behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them and all the men of Israel when they saw the man fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. That means free of taxation. And that's what David's come to do, to pay his taxes. Essentially, he's brought his pledge to the army while they're fighting David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to this man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David's not interested in what he can get here. He's really testing these men in a way and seeing where their heart's at and why they're not out in the battle fighting and stood hiding in a hole somewhere. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he had spoken to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. Is it not amazing that if you're spiritual, walking full of the Holy Ghost of God, carnal-minded people hate your guts? Why is this? David has brought shame and reproach to his elder brother that's hiding like an eight-year-old girl instead of going out and fighting. And here's this ruddy little old boy that's come up and says, What's the matter with y'all? You're hiding. <laughs> well, that's mighty alive, man. as the devil. Well, it, we, <laughs> you say very long, you'll see what I'm talking about. Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness making accusations? Well, David took care of the sheep. I know thy pride, thy naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. 
Well, that ain't why he came. Why did he come, Preacher Clayton? He came in obedience to his daddy's word. His daddy said, go. Well, he's not in this for himself, Brother Jesse. He's doing what his daddy told him to do. You get accused of all kinds of things, don't you? Lord of God said in verse 29, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? If God help me, I'm going to talk to you a few minutes tonight on the subject as, Is there not a cause? Verse 29, David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? You don't have to be a brain surgeon to figure this out. What is the cause? That's something that's worth fighting for. That's a duty. That's something that you would be willing to stand up and fight for. I asked the church tonight this question. Is there not a cause? I mean, is there not something that's worth fighting for? I realize and understand in the day that we live in. Anthony, I love you, son. I'm proud of you, buddy. And I mean that. You fought for me and fought for this country. Country, but we've raised a generation of pansies, son. They wouldn't fight for their lunch. They ain't going to do it. They'd rather just lay down, let somebody run over them, take it away from them. But there are some things that are worth fighting for. The first thing tonight's the cause of Christ. He's my Savior. He's my friend. And I tell you what, brother, if you knew where God found me, where I was when God saved me, but He's worth standing up and fighting for. And it's not that Jesus needs me to fit fight for him but it's the cause of Christ he he drafted me put me in the army this is not a volunteer thing being a preacher well you get drafted into doing that there's a lot of them that volunteer for this they won't last long they won't make it through boot camp honey but I'm telling you what God put me into the business of serving Christ as a soldier and some of you have been put in the place that you realize Christ and his kingdom is a cause is worth fighting for. There is a cause. Now we realize and understand tonight that there is a great battle that's going on and the world can't see it. You're very well aware of the fact there's a spiritual battle that's going on, child of God. And I'm going to tell you what the devil wants to do, friend. He wants to shut you up and shut you down. That's what he wants to do to the church. He wants to shut the church up. He wants to take our voice away from us. He wants to shut us down. Hey, that's what he wants to do to every God-called preacher. Put every kind of crazy thing in your mind. Run you crazy. Run you just plumb absolutely mad sometimes. Hey, listen, every God-called preacher that's ever been wrote down in history that ever really saw a great move of God, Brother Tim. Some of the great men like Charles Spurgeon suffered so much depression in his mind that he literally, Miss Pat, had to have the deacons come by before church and help him get dressed to get to the house of God. Why? There's a battle going on. Evan Roberts thought he was losing his mind. David Brainerd thought he was losing his mind. And from time to time, I ain't one of them, but Preacher Mike thinks he's losing his mind. If you're trying to serve God, you do too, friend. Just go ahead and admit it. But if you ain't never been there, boy, I hope you don't have to. But I believe saved folks that try to serve God find themselves in that position. Brother Jesse, we don't need to let up now. There's a cause we're fighting for. Christ, he loved me, saved me. Thank God I ain't got to go to hell. Thank God I ain't what it used to be, Brother Ricky. Thank God I got hope and I got a friend I can call on. And thank God he's worth fighting for. I'll tell you something else worth fighting for. The church is a cause worth fighting for. Boy, it's been drugged through the mud. They've made fun of the whole world today. Thinks the 
the church is just a great big J-O-K-E joke. And for the most part, that's what they've seen. And it ain't got a punchline, Miss Diane, and it ain't very funny, but it is a joke. Most places you look, and I'm not being ugly about that. I'm just being honest about that. But I'm telling you, the church is worth fighting for. And if you've got one that's a real church with a real candlestick where God will show up and let the man of God right back preach and let the people of God come in and worship and let sinners get nervous, then thank God you've got something worth fighting for. I'll tell you something else. Our community is worth fighting for and our children's worth fighting for. Well, I've thought about this and I've thought about throwing my hands up and quit. Listen, listen, the greatest temptation to a God-called preacher is not to run off with the church's money. It's not to run off with some old whore left somewhere and get drunk. But I'm going to tell you one of the greatest temptations God's people that's in the trench and fighting will ever face. It's just to lay down and take a little nap. Yes, sir. Just back off and quit. But I'm going to tell you what, we got something worth fighting for, Brother Ricky. About five minutes before I walked in here, I got a text message from somebody that said, please pray for me. Somebody texted me a little earlier in the evening and said, please pray for me. Brother Tim, there's a cause because there's some of these youngins around here and some folks in this community, including your mom and daddy and a whole lot of others, need somebody that's able to pray for them. Amen. Thank God they need somebody. I'm telling you, there's some folks sitting here tonight. If God don't have mercy on you, you're going to best stay wide open. And you need somebody that's able to pray for you. There's cause. I'm telling you what, Christ is a cause. The church is a cause. Our community and our children's a cause. And God has given his children. Thank God. Hallelujah. Some liberty in here tonight. I appreciate that. God has given us everything we need. Everything. He's equipped us, Brother Jesse, to do what God called us to do. The first one God's give us is some principles. You know what a principle is? That's something that's just what it is and it ain't going to change. There's some principles with an internal combustion engine. And you go up, Brother Jesse, and you try to start one of them motors and that thing don't start. There's two things you're going to look for right away, right or wrong. You know why it's a principle? You're going to look find out if it's got fire. Why? Because that's a principle. Internal combustion engine like a regular gasoline engine is not going not to run, Brother Ricky, if it ain't got no juice going to it. It's got to have fire. And you go checking the coil wire. And you go pulling spark plug wires off and, uh, and uh, putting them between your teeth and uh, turning it over at time to see if that thing's got any fire. You know why? That's a principle. And it ain't going to change as long, as long as they got them old Ford motors. It's going to be the same. Guess what, Brother Allen? Don't want to admit this. It's the same in a Chevrolet, too. <laughs> you know why? It's the principle of the internal combustion engine. You know another principle? Got to make sure it's getting gas. Got to have fuel. Hey, that's a principle. It ain't going to change, Anthony. That's a principle. That's how it is. But you know what? God's got some principles too, and we do ourselves a great injustice by not realizing there's some principles here. Miss mm-hmm. Pat, you know what? One of the principles is God told us pray without ceasing. You know what we do? We get beat down. We get beat up by the devil. When we lay down, we stop praying, Miss Diane. And we say, well, I, I've tried to pray, and I just can't feel God, and I just don't feel God nowhere. And we whine, and we mess around. That don't change the principle. <laughs> well, I just don't even feel saved today. <laughs> well, was you saved yesterday? Because <laughs> the principle ain't changed. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine Brother Clayton after service sitting there with this distressed look on his face? 
I said, preacher, what's the matter? You know, everybody's leaving. They're getting ready to go home. Your family's standing around. He says, well, I'm just afraid that van ain't going to run when I get there. <laughs> well, that'd be kind of foolish, wouldn't it? Well, I just don't feel like it's going to start. <laughs> I just don't feel like it's going to. Well, there's some principles. Has it got fire? Has it got fuel? Y'all listen to me. God give us some principles in the word of God. And if we'll hold on to the principles, God give us everything will be all right. God said, pray whether you feel like praying or not. Yes, sir. But I woke up about five o'clock in the morning. God, the Holy Ghost rolled me out of bed and I went in the den. And, and brother, I was just low. I was just feeling bad. I went to bed feeling bad and I hadn't really heard from God. And I went and I sat down on the couch in my mama's house and I got talking to the Lord. And I decided, God, you told me to pray. And I don't feel much like praying. And first thing I know, Miss Lord came creeping through the house, see what's going on. I was having revival back there in the living room and talking to God. Why, Brother Ricky? Because I exercised a principle. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. <laughs> it's right. I know it's right. He gives us some principles. There's some things in this book. If you'll hang on to, praise God, it'll work. There's principles. There's principles in tithing, in giving. There's principles in living. There's principles in everything we go at. And God give us every bit of equipment we need to get the job done. He gave David some principles, and David operated by them. He wasn't scared of that Philistine. He knew how this thing worked. But I'll tell you something else David had to work with. He had some promises. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 1, look what the Word of God said. The Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. Who do you think that is? That's David. And God had made a promise and David was going to be king. And the man of God had already took that horn of oil and anointed him on the head. And David knew David couldn't die. God done said he's going to be king. They wasn't no way. If he did, God's going to have to resurrect him because God done made a promise. Now, God's made you some promises in the Word of God. Won't you just get a hold of them? He's told you he'll never leave you, never forsake you. Boy, sometimes we'll mess up, we'll sin, we'll hurt God, Brother Tim, and we'll feel lower down a snake in a wagon's track, and we'll say, my soul, I messed up so much. Here I am in this mess again. I'm, I'm so low down, there ain't even no use to ask God this time. I mean, he's done heard this from me so many times. God's tired of hearing this from me. Well, go back to your principle. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. Yes, and it didn't say we are faithful. Yeah. He said he is faithful. Yes, sir, brother. He said, I ain't very faithful. That ain't what the scripture said, brother. God said he's faithful. And it ain't got to do your faithfulness. It's got to do your principle. And God's promise. And God's promise was, if you'd confess you're an old sorry, low down nothing, God said he'd forgive you. Ain't that good? Hallelujah. I'll tell you something else. David had besides some principles and besides some promises, David had some people. You find in the Word of God, you look a little farther over in chapter number 23 of 2 Samuel, you'll find that there was times that David had 30 mighty men. And son, you didn't mess with them. These mighty men of valor, these men of war. And there's two or three of them. And, and you always find that in those circles, the Lord Jesus Christ had 11 that was close to him. But preacher, if anybody ever says, well, preacher's got his own little clique, Jesus had three. Yes, 
Peter, James, and John. I'm in the Word of God. He had his mighty men. David had his mighty men. There ain't never been a preacher that's ever lived, been worth his salt, didn't have his mighty men. Hey, boys, you know who y'all God's give you a burden to pray for the preacher. God's put you in a place where I confide in you and share some things with you. And we're in this thing together. We're in a battle together. And God gives the preacher some mighty men that'll stand with him and come hell or high water through thick and thin. It don't make no difference, Brother Ricky. You got some people to stand with you and fight with you. David had some mighty men. Listen to a little old story out of 2 Samuel 23, 14. David was then in a hold in the garrison of the Philistines, was then in Bethlehem. David longed and so said, Oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. And he said, Be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy their own lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. They loved their leader. They loved the man of God, the anointed of God and they said he'd like to have a drink from that well and they said we'll bust through that bunch of little old Philistines we'll get in there and get the man of God a drink and they did and they come back and it so humbled David that they loved him so much he poured it out to God he didn't waste it he poured it out as a love offering to the Lord and said God these men have sacrificed their own lives to bring this to me David had some men stand up and fight with him you know what God's giving you some people God's giving you some people to fight with you. Hey, what do you think we're doing tonight? Yeah. It's what the church is about, Miss Diane. Hey, listen, there's a whole lot of folks who say they're your friend. <laughs> they're fire weather friends, buddy. But I'm going to tell you what, folks, down at the church, folks that you've learned to pray with and you've labored with, Brother James, folks you've shared your burdens with, and they come in and out a lot of times on Monday nights. These fellows that come in and pray and seek the Lord, and sometimes it may be me, and sometimes it may be somebody else, and everybody's sitting around, and they done, done the glad hand smile patch on the back thing, and one of them will just open up and say, Listen, I don't mean to bust nobody's bubble, but I feel so low down. I can't feel God, and I've been in a rut, and I feel like God's been a million miles away. Boys, I need y'all to pray for me. I'm going to tell you what, Brother James, it's real good to get around some people that can be real and be honest and not, they ain't full of the Holy Ghost all the time. Wish I was. Amen. I'm going to tell you what, God gives some people you can worship with. God gives some people, Miss Pat, you can work with. God gives some folks that we can get in this thing and labor with, and you've got to have it, church. You've got to have some people that you can be with. I'm going to tell you what, this Long Rangers outfit, these little old do-nothing crowds will come in, they'll float into church or service or two, and you say, praise God, it's good to have you here. Where do you go to church? Well, just here and there. I don't know who God put here and who God didn't put here, but some of you, I know he did, and you do too. You know why? God puts you with some people that are your people, that are your kind of people, that are going to fight with you, that you can confide in, you can share your heart with. Listen, don't share all your secrets with everybody, but God gives you a few people in your life you can just bear your heart to. <laughs> I said we need one another. We do. I need you. 
I don't know if y'all need me or not. Sometimes you need a whole lot more than me, but I need you. David got some people, and David also had some proof. You say, how did David know that he was able to stand against this Philistine? Back in chapter 17 of verse Samuel, verse 32. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. That's what the devil will tell you. David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. When he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing it defile the armies of the living God. David didn't need no more proof. He had it. He said, God done took care of me before. This ain't no different. I mean, what's this uncircumcised Philistine out here cussing God? I didn't kill a bear, killed a lion. You know why I did that, Brother Jesse? The Holy Ghost came on him. Hey, the Holy Ghost is in you if you're saved. If you're saved, the Holy Ghost is in you. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Has the Holy Ghost ever got on you? Because it ain't the same thing. It ain't the same thing. When the Holy Ghost of God gets on you, buddy, you can pick up city gates and carry them off. But I'm going to tell you what. Miss Nate, I can't explain that. Nobody ain't never experienced the Holy Ghost of God getting on them. But sometimes ladies, God will get on you to pray. And you'll go to pray and praise God. It's like the Holy Ghost of God's done, done wrapped you up in his arms. And it's like God's just filling your soul. First thing you know, God will be praying through you. What's he do? He's got on you to pray. I'm going to tell you what. When God gets on you like that, don't let go. Go ahead and pray everything you think of. You can't think of nothing else. Thank you, preacher Mike. Praise God. Pray for you, preacher, when God gets on you. But I'm going to tell you what God got on, David. David knew this Philistine meant nothing. But I'm going to tell you, you say, Preacher Mike, how's God proved things to you? Some of y'all go through some of the awfulest afflictions. And you say, Preacher Mike, why in the name of heaven do I have to go through some of the things I go through? God's proven you. God's proven some things to you. Hey, listen, hey, you know whether you can trust God or not if you ain't never been in a hard spot. Well, there's been some times in my life just the simplest little old things, Preacher Clayton. Same kind of stupid to anybody else, but a blind man, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of things that mean a lot to me, don't mean much to nobody else. There's been a few years ago, me and Miss Lori, we was, we was at a church, and we had went there to minister to these folks, and we had an old bus then. I sat down with that thing, and uh, Brother James hit that starter like I did a whole lot of times, and man, that thing would turn over, but it wouldn't start. Everybody done gone, parking lots, black as pitch, and there I sat in that old bus. And uh, probably wouldn't mean a whole lot to you because you wasn't stranded somewhere in an old bus. But I said, Miss Lord, we just need to talk to the Lord for a minute or two, Brother Jesse. I just bowed my head and talked to the Lord for a minute or two and said, Lord, you know who we are. You know the mess we're in. God, if you don't help us, ain't nobody else here to help us. They get through praying, Rick's down, Brother Rick, and hit that starter and that thing probably like a kitten. He said, that's stupid. Well, you weren't stuck somewhere in a bus. <laughs> 
But you know, the thing that works Miss Susie for little things works for big things too. When you need some grocery money, when you need a little bit of gas money, when they're about to cut your power off, when your baby's sick laying in the hospital and you don't know what to do, I'm going to tell you what, little or big, don't make no difference. Brother Ricky, what I'm getting to, God proves us through this thing. But I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to tell you another way God proves some things through us. He proves them through prayer. You say, how could he trust God that, that he knew that God was going to let him kill this giant because he knew what he had seen God do in other times and other places. Miss Pat, there's some things I believe God for because I heard from him in prayer another time and another place. I don't know, God told me. There's some of you sitting here tonight, God's letting me pray for you with brokenness. I don't know if you're going to get saved or not, but I'll make you an absolute promise on the authority of the Holy Ghost to God. God said he's going to give you a chance. As far as I can go with it, Brother Ricky, I can't make you get saved. God ain't going to make you get saved, but God promised me he'd give you a chance. Now help me tonight, children. God's give you everything that you need, everything you require to see the will of God done in your life. There's somebody somewhere needs you. Miss Heather, you got a precious little old girl right there. I love her with all my heart. But if you died tonight on your way home, that little girl's got to live the rest of her life on the prayers mama's done prayed. How far is it going to get her? Miss Debbie, if you die tonight and your girl's got to make it through the rest of their life on the prayers mama's prayed, how far is it going to get them? Oh, boy, we done hit on some big stuff there, didn't we? Miss Diane, there's some folks counting on you. If they're going to have to make it through the rest of this life on the prayers you done prayed, how far they're going to get? Miss Lori? Preacher Mike? Some of y'all going to get in? God sees fit to take me out right now. What's up what I've already prayed worth? But I'm going to tell you what, we better hear something from God that if God takes us off the scene, God, by his principle, brother, will answer his prayers. He'll do what he said he'd do. And Brother Tim, if we're taken off the scene and God's already heard your prayer for your family, God's already heard your prayer for your friends, God can take you off the scene and still answer his prayers. Because he prayed them through. You follow what I'm saying? Now I'm asking, is there cause? Is there anything worth fighting for? Is there anything in your life, Miss Vail, worth fighting for? Susie, is there anything worth fighting for? Listen, I'm trying to ask you a serious question instead of going home tonight and sitting down watching some foolishness on television until you're so sleepy you can't hold your head up and drag off to bed. Is there anything worth turning that cuss box off and just going to bed and saying, I'm going to go talk to God for a while? Miss Nita, is there a cause in your life? Is there a cause in your life, Miss Megan? Is there anything worth fighting for? I look at these teenagers sitting around here and these young people. I can't quit. Well, they're depending on this preacher. God give us a church and God give us a testimony. There's some mature adult men that have said, Preacher, please don't quit praying for me. There's some mature adults in this church that have said, Preacher, I don't want to miss this thing and I don't want a false profession. I want it to be real. Brother Ricky, they're counting on us. Are they worth fighting for or not? Miss Pat, are they worth fighting for or not? We better make the decision now. If they ain't, just, I mean, just go ahead and kick back, drink lemonade, and just ride this thing out. But if they're worth fighting for, we're going to have to get on our knees and go fighting. That's where the battle's won, Brother James, on our knees. God's given us, Miss Debbie, everything we need to accomplish God's will for our life. Everything. 
And we do not have to check out of this world even one thing undone if there's a cause. If there's something in our heart, Miss Lord, it's worth fighting for. There's sinners, and I love to pray for sinners, but tonight I love you, church. You are my family. You are my church, and I die for you. Brother James, that's one of the biggest causes I've got in my life tonight is this church, this people. Because, Brother James, I can live through you if I can help you. Brother Jesse, I can live through you if I can help you. Preacher Clayton, I can live through you if I help you. Well, we've got a cause, Brother Tim. We've got a cause. Well, some of y'all got children ain't got in yet. Some of y'all got spouses that ain't got in yet. We've got a cause. <laughs> Hallelujah. God give us everything we need. He's given us his promises. He's given us his principles. He's given us some people we can fight with. And I'm going to thank God for what he's done. I love y'all. He's given us some proof why he's done it before. <laughs> Brother Jesse, pray to God if he can save you, can save anybody, right or wrong. Brother Clayton, if we could save you, what would be hard for God to do? Miss Pat, if God could save you, what would be different? You think about that, Miss Shauna. Think about that. If God could come get you where you, why, what would be hard for God? Miss Megan, what would be difficult for God? Miss Lori, what in the world would be hard for God to do? Nothing. I'll tell you where the difficulty comes in for us believing Him. For us believing Him. And that's what He desires. And He'll prove us on our knees. And if we'll seek him with all of our heart, he said he'd be found. But I'm going to make you a promise. I'll make you an absolute promise out of this book tonight. You get serious with God, he'll get serious with you. <laughs> you get serious with God, he'll get serious with you. I know y'all tired of hearing this, but I ain't tired of telling that me and Miss Lloyd was needing some help. And we had that camper trailer and we needed to sell it and I had that old Dodge pickup and we needed to sell it and we needed to make some changes in our life brother I had done wrote my supporting churches and said we're off the mission field and we're not receiving support anymore Miss Pat I've done, done gone into dire poverty and here I am I got payments to make Miss Diane I guess I was going to get serious with God now me and Miss Lord decided we sat down in that camper. God's going to have to do something. God's going to sell this thing. We're going to have to have a different vehicle. There's got to be some changes made, Brother James. Me and Miss Lord decided we're going to get serious. And we went to praying every day in that camper. She'd sit on that blue couch and I'd sit in that blue recliner across from one another. And we'd talk for a few minutes and share our heart. And we'd beg God, God, sell this camper for us. We said, Lord, we've drugged this thing up and down the country. It's been to Wyoming, Montana, Arizona, back and forth and back and forth so many times. God, it'd be a blessing if somebody buy this camper that was going to just take it and park it somewhere, let's say it. And Lord, I've had missionaries that's wanted this camper and God ain't got enough money to go half on free lunch. It'd just be a blessing if you'd send somebody's got some money that ain't going to have to fool around, mess around, can't pay for it because God, I need my money. That ain't silly, but Tim, I needed my money. Y'all ever needed your money? I did. Me and my precious wife agreeing together, sitting in that camper, praying, God, sell this camper. One Sunday afternoon, we'd laid down, take us a little nap. Somebody come beating on the door and messing up our nap. Went out and this fellow dressed, looked like something fell out of a hobo's pocket. Won't look at the campers. That thing for sale. Yes, sir, let's go look. 
And I went and looked at that camper and talked to him for a minute or two. And God had told me how much money I could take for that camper. God said, this is what you're going to take for it and this is what you're going to sell it for. I said, okay, Lord. A few minutes later, after we'd showed that to him and his wife, that fella come, we'd, we'd done gone back in the house. That, well, I didn't realize that they didn't ever leave the driveway. They're still sitting there. Brother James is writing out a check. Come beating on the door. Fellow said, I just uh, want to know. Said, would you take such and such for it? And boy, I was just about to jump like a rabbit. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost said, uh-uh. That ain't what I told you. I said, no, sir. God have this for it. He said, just thought I'd ask. <laughs> Handed me a check. Said, I'm going to give you a deposit. He said, I was just wondering if I could maybe get you to deliver that for me. We're going we got a little old piece of land up here, about 400 acres. We go to on the weekends just for a little weekend getaway. And uh, and he said, we're going to put it up there for the grandkids to play in, build a deck around it and all this kind of stuff. And said, just park it by the creek. And said, I wonder if you'd pull it up there for me. Miss Megan, I was dealing with a multimillionaire. You know what? By the time I got serious with God, I need to sell that camper. You get serious with God, Miss Nate, he'll get serious with you. By that, you get serious with God, he'll get serious with you. You know what a lot of our problem is? We ain't got serious yet. We played around the edges of this thing, preacher, and we never really got serious. But, buddy, you ever get serious about seeking God, about something, you get to finding out, boy, there's a place of fellowship you can get into. You can get locked in with the Holy Ghost. Miss Megan, she wouldn't be ashamed for me to tell her she was driving up to Yankee land to go to a funeral. I sent her a text message early the other morning. I said, please do not waste this trip daydreaming, but get hooked up with God. Sis, I wasn't playing. I was serious. Because I know how flesh is. God gives us a special opportunity, Brother Tim, and we daydream around. That ain't praying. There's some Goliaths in your world. You're going to have to fight them. You're going to have to have the tools to fight with. God's done given to you, but you need to prove this thing on your knees.